Uh, g'day, yeah, this is Scott Gibbons, and this show is On The Road. What's On The Road about? Well, it's all about you and me and everyone else, as far as we can see, getting out there and seeing Australia. And you're going to see Australia today, some of it anyway, through the eyes of the radio. And I think that's a beautiful thing. What else do we do? Well, we talk about caravans and motorhomes and camper trailers and tents and all the things to enable us to get out there, as I said, and see this beautiful country. But we do it the right way. And it's a beautiful thing. Tell you another beautiful thing that's happening is, I think, Andrew Forrest, after offering to buy, and he's going to buy, R.M. Williams, so he's bringing the iconic Australian boot brand back into Australian hands. I think he's trying to get Australian of the Year because he's now doing an $85 million, what they call a souped-up caravan park in Exmouth in Western Australia. So he's a mighty magnet. Yes, he's a billionaire. Yes, but he's doing some things that are going to make a major difference over there because they haven't had on the West Australian coast a major tourist development for caravans and whatnot for a long, long time. So this one's going to be fabulous. It's about 13k north of Exmouth. It's a renewable-powered, plastic-free eco-resort. So once he's got the, the development approval done, then the holiday park will be near the Ningaloo Lighthouse and it'll be one of the biggest tourist projects ever undertaken in the region. So according to Tatarang, that's the company's name that is using for this one, the site will accommodate fewer people than it's licensed for, but you're going to have about 550 guests staying on caravan sites or in eco-tents or villas and hotel rooms and whatever. And it'll feature restaurants and bars and pools and a spa and tennis courts and playgrounds and a shop. So it's going to be fabulous. So Hamish Hasty from uh, WA Today Business Report, he did this fabulous write-up on it. So to beef up the project's green credentials, Tatarang said it would be powered, this is the whole site, will be powered by renewables. And it'll have no single-use plastics on site. It'll use wastewater recycling. It'll have a biodigester for organic waste to divert, listen to this, this is fabulous, it's going to divert 60 tonnes of food waste from landfill every year and it'll generate about 10 tonnes of (laughs) fertiliser. Fabulous! So it's an investment in world-class sustainable tourism in the northwest and that'll benefit the local community and the state. So the redevelopment will make a significant contribution to the local economy. It'll boost tourism, it'll boost boost tourism opportunities and will create construction and hospitality jobs in the area, as well as the tourism jobs. So just terrific. And watching the sunset at the Exmouth Lighthouse, it's just one of Western Australia's iconic tourism experiences. So there you go. And they're, they're going to improve the area for locals and visitors whilst safeguarding the site. So the project would create about... 120 jobs during construction. It'll contribute about $18 million to the economy. And once operational, it should be bringing in about $30 million of income to the town every year. So that's fabulous. And as they said, Western Australia has long lagged behind other destinations in creating new sustainable resorts in regional areas. So, hey, how good is that? So it's going to fill a gap for world-class accommodation and resort-style facilities. But you're going to have caravans there. You're going to have high-rise. You're going to have eco uh, accommodation. It's going to be all there. So 
Terrific, terrific, terrific. Good on you, Andrew Forrest. I think that's that's just amazing. And and I guess all the guests are going to be wearing RM Williams just to say thank you for building that. I think that's going to be fabulous. Now, what else is happening? Well, well, Avita have come out and said that load distribution is one of those things that you've got to be aware of. So you'll find that when you initially go out on the road that you often take, and this is so true, I think we all do it. We all take too much stuff, too much that we really need. So the just-in-case happens, you think, oh, I'll take this just in case, but all those just in cases weigh up and, and they take up too much, not space, but weight. So your load distribution then becomes really, really hard. So generally, you've got about 300 to 500 kilograms that you can use for a single axle van and about five to 700 kilograms for a tandem axle van. But it's important to make sure that you do not overload your van, very important. So, and you've got to allow also for the allowance, allow for the allowance, <laughs> for the fresh water, your gas in your bottles, your extra fuel, and any accessories that you've had fitted after you took delivery of your van. So your heavy items like generators and and if you've got a portable fridge that you're putting in there as well and, and all those things, you've got to keep them down as low as you can. And then put the lighter things like your clothing and whatnot up in the cupboards, and that'll just make it so much easier for you. So then you've got your tyre pressures. Now you've got to maintain your correct tyre pressures on your caravan. That's so important. It really is important. If the pressure's too high, then the chance of a puncture damage is increased as the tyre has less give in it. So, you know, if your tyres are too... And plus, the ride then is is much more... um, shattering if you like for the van you might shatter some stuff and the caravan becomes less stable uh, because you've got less give in the tire sidewall so you're transferring more road shocks through your whole van and that creates the opportunity for tires to lose contact with the ground and then cause instability and that can lead to caravan sway but then again if you have too little pressure then the sidewalls will have too much flex and that can add to the caravan instability. So you've got to, if you check your caravan compliance plate, that's normally up the front end of your caravan, somewhere around your, the front or the tunnel boot or maybe on the A-frame or near the inside entry door, then the compliance plate will indicate the recommended tyre pressures for you when cold. And, and then you've got to allow that the, the pressure is going to build up when it's warm and you try and make sure that if it's a, about 5 to 6 uh, PSI is recommended from cold pressure uh, once you've been driving for about an hour. So that's something to consider. Now, also to consider, check your tail lights, check your indicators, because you need those working so the people behind you know whether you're stopping or whether you're turning because you're driving something really large. So you've got to give them a fair shake as well. So that's important. Reversing, this is the hint from them, take your time. When reversing your caravan, make sure that you take your time. So ensure that you get out of your van, scan the area and and the surrounds before uh, reversing in. So you're looking for uneven roads or gutters or obstacles or even, and this is really important, low branches because, you know, that can wipe you out. (laughs) That can really do some damage to your air conditioner and things. So low-lying branches, apart from scratching your paint and maybe causing a leak and whatnot, so very, very important. So don't forget when reversing a caravan, you need to turn your steering wheel the opposite way than, than you really want to go, and then you creep back slowly, and the slower 
the better and small steering inputs, just small steering inputs as possible. And if you're traveling with two people, this is the ace. If there's two of you there, have one person on the outside of the van. And if you can, make sure that they've got a two-way radio so that they can talk to you and you've got the other two-way radio inside. You've got both got UHF, so one's a handheld and one's probably a fitted unit, but you can have two handhelds if you want. But that's much easier than someone trying to give hand signals because, you know, as you move, your mirrors are moving as well and, you know, they can be out of sight. And if you can't see them, it's really confusing when you're the driver. So, you know, if you get the wrong angle, best go out, start again, and that's much better. Trailer sway, that can be pretty frightening. That can be frightening. So while towing your caravan, trailer sway, it could be just a gust of wind, it could be a passing truck, it could be a quick steering correction, and that can start your caravan swaying or fishtailing. And the loss of control could mean tipping the caravan or causing a serious accident. I mean, if you look at YouTube, you'll see some horrifying accidents where the things have started swaying. So um, a few things to consider. Don't have too much uh, tow ball download, too much weight on the f- on your uh, where your where your hitch is on your tow ball. Don't have too much weight there. Measuring both the tow vehicles unladen and hitched up front and rear suspension and your rise and sag that's vital. Uh, there's a, a you, you'll find if you slow down, if you moderate moderate your driving speeds, you'll produce less strain on your vehicle and your caravan, and and that reduces the chance of trailer sway. Don't make any sudden steering manoeuvres. Check your tyre pressures. And if it starts to sway, lift your foot from the accelerator, but don't jump on the brake pedal unless you're in real danger of hitting something. So just lift your foot off the accelerator and and generally things will start coming back into into being straight and it's following you nicely again. And keep a firm grip on your steering wheel to control the sway because larger vehicles passing you, oh, yeah, that can make a real mess. Now, and find a safe place to park and check that, that you've got the proper weight balance and your hitch adjustments have done and everything is there. So that's beautiful. So, you know, tyre pressures are really, really important. I think we've, we've got to, you know, that's something that everyone's just got to be aware of, just got to be aware of. So I reckon if you're going to talk about tyre pressures, then that's all about air supply. If you're going to talk about air supply, we might as well listen to air supply. So here's air supply for you. You enjoy them. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. This show is on the road. Great being with you. Just good being with you. And so good that we can get to South Australia again. We can get to very soon. I reckon, I reckon we're going to get back to Victoria again pretty soon. So in the meantime, hey, here's air supply.
Oh, yeah, even the nights are better, eh? Air supply. Now, I've got to say thank you. I've got, and I want to, I want to say thank you to all the loyal listeners out there because you are so good and the feedback you give us is so terrific and we really, really appreciate it. I love putting the show together for you. I really, really do. Now, RV Daily, they, they did this beaut thing on there about... And you might recall a couple of weeks ago, we were talking to Jacqueline Bold of boldtcrc.com.au. And she was saying, Scott, make sure that, that people are aware to get their vans serviced or their trailers serviced, or whatever you're taking away, you've done. Because servicing your van, to many people, can be like an afterthought. It, it's, look, you don't have an engine, you don't have to change the oil, you don't have to do all those things. So you think it's, it's so simple, you hitch it on the way you go. But the dust and the debris from the track can infiltrate your bearings and your joints, maybe, of your caravan, and the endless vibrations can really wreak havoc uh, uh, to your plumbing and your, your water, your gas, your electrical, your waterproofing issues that can arise along the way. So without regular maintenance, uh, then you can't really guarantee that you're not going to have maybe some of that little document that you carry then. One of the most important things, and this comes up again and again and again, is seal condition. The conditions of your external seals around your windows, around your hatches, they should be inspected regularly. And, and it's recommended, you know, whenever you wash your van, inspect your seals. because And you need to have an eye for detail because even a little hairline crack or a pinhole opening 
can cause a very expensive repair over time and very expensive, you're talking major money because it's not just an easy little repair then. You don't just put a little bit of gunk on it, a little bit of silicon and fill it up because the damage is now inside your van and you're not seeing it. You'll, you'll start to feel the problems. You'll, you'll get maybe a bad smell, uh, but your timber just going to rot. So ask your repairer to give you a seal condition report when they do the service. And that might cost a little bit extra, but hey, it's worth having it because if you're getting your van checked regularly by a professional, then just treat it as being preventative maintenance. And it's great to be able to show, if, if ever you want to sell your van, then you can show a prospective buyer that they can have confidence because they're not buying an expensive issue. And then ask your repairer what level of servicing they offer because it's important to choose a comprehensive level of service. So your brakes and bearings, well, they're important to get done and that's preventative maintenance. But you know, try and opt for a 12-month full service comprising the inside and outside and again, including those seals. So, you know, the routine service, that should be a regular thing because you'll notice that service schedules always state time and kilometres, whichever occurs first. And that's a really good reason because you might think, well, I've parked it out front. I've only used it for a weekend this year. I don't need to get a service. Well, that's wrong. <laughs> you've got to still get a service even if you've just done a weekend trip and put it in for, for storage because it is due for its service. And an RV that travels very little, there's still things to consider. For example, there's always the weight that's present. Just when it's sitting there, the weight is on the bearings, it's on the axles, it's on your suspension. Plus, if those components are not moving, then the grease isn't moving freely within them. And if your van isn't stored under cover, then the seals have got... Uh, yeah, they're subject to a really harsh environment. So there's good reasons to keep your service routine regular. So you've got to keep your eye on some of those things, like tyre pressures. I oh, would keep on talking about tyre pressures. I know. But they've got to be maintained. That, that's, that's important. Cause, and, and allow that tyres age and they can become unsafe as they age. Rubber hardens over time. So that makes those tyres susceptible to blowouts. So important. And again, I'll mention it one more time, the seals. Make sure your seals are checked. So that's around your windows, around your hatches, that sort of thing. Water damage inside the van, you've got to look for signs of staining or cuts or dimpling to the, the internal walls and your ceiling ply. And if you notice anything, uh, then make sure that, that you go and get that sorted. You know, have, have a look inside your cupboards. And when you wash your van, as we said, have a look at the roof, if you can. If you can, have a look at the roof because, um, you know, there might be hail damage on there. Or, you know, it's amazing how many vans go in to get serviced and they'll find hail damage on the roof and the owner wasn't aware of it. And I, that's very fair. That's very fair because, you know, not everybody is able-bodied enough to go climbing up a ladder and running across the roof of their van. They don't want to do that. So when you put in for service, ask for a roof check. Very important. Um, and hail damage can present uh, as spider cracks um, to your awning vinyl. To, just, just be careful because it can, you know, it may become an insurance issue and, and you've got to have, if you've got a, a regular service document there, then that's a terrific thing to have. So keeping your records of your mileage is the thing. So you, you don't really have an odometer, an, an od, odometer on it. Oh, God, that's a good word. It used to be speedo. <laughs> but you, you don't have those. But most owners, 
if you keep your records, I know I keep mine, uh, so whenever you're towing or not, wherever you tow it, even if you tow it down for service, write that in so that you've got it because there's this and and there's vehicle tracking apps if you want to you can use the vehicle tracking app now and that might be something that's a good idea for you so you know allow for those things but repairers they see some things that people have done themselves don't do gas yourself don't do 240 work yourself it's if something goes wrong it could be that even your insurance company is not going to cover it because if you've done something and it's a DIY job that you've done and you haven't done it properly, and I'm telling you, when they send down an assessor, those assessors, <laughs> a lot of them really know what they're looking at. They really know. You're, you're not the first pony to walk into the paddock. They've been around the block a lot. So, you know, there you go. So all those things you've got to do, uh, but make sure. Check your tyres, check the age on your tyres, check your breakaway brakes, make sure that that's all good. Uh, have you checked your anode? <laughs> because a lot of people forget the anode in your hot water service. If you've got a hot water service that has an anode in there, then you've got to check that at each service interval because if you're using bore water or you've been travelling where water quality isn't the best, then the anode might need checking more often. And if you fail to replace the anode in time, then that could lead to your tank rusting or splitting or rupturing. And you don't want large volumes of water in your van. Oh, no. No, that's a bad thing. <laughs> and you could end up having to buy a new hot water service. And I'm telling you, the hot water service is not only expensive, but your damage bill for having all that water running through your van because you didn't check the anode. A-N-O-D-E. A-N-O-D-E. So when you put your van in for service... Get them to check your anode. Really, really important. But the other important thing is, if it's if it's anything to do with plumbing, if it's anything to do with electrical, then make sure that you get somebody who's licensed to engage in, especially if it's gas. Yeah, make sure they're licensed because you know you've got to look after yourself. I think, I think that's important. Now the next important thing is that we have a beautiful time because the world's opening up. You know, we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. We're starting to see rainbows again. We're starting to see colour because we're getting out. And, hey, by the way, if you want to give this show to more people, you just share the show around. All you've got to do is go onto our website, which is ontheroadmedia.com.au, ontheroadmedia.com.au. And if you go onto that site, you'll find all the podcasts. And I think we're nearly up to, nearly up to 60 shows. So if you want some, if you want to share them around, you just share them because each show has got so many little snippets on there that might just be some. And apart from the snippets, you're getting some great music and it's all Aussie music. But I said that you're getting some light at the end of the tunnel, I believe, and I think you're going to get some rainbows. We're going to get some colour back. If you're going to have rainbows, we should have Ian Moss and Doug Parkinson sing Over the Rainbow. What do you reckon? You ready for that? Ian Moss, Doug Parkinson, Over the Rainbow. You enjoy that. Hey, this is Scott Gibbons and we'll be back after you enjoy that song. Oh, 
forward to seeing more rainbows we are we are we are now santa claus is coming to town you might already have a fridge for the back of your four-wheel drive for the back of your vehicle for uh, your caravan whatever it be this is where you got a portable fridge but you do need a proper fridge slide you need a proper because to put it just in the back of your four-wheel drive and then to try and get into it it's really hard so to slide it out oh that's the ace now if you want the ace then you've got to get the fridge slide. It's called a premium fridge slide, and it comes from Off-Road Systems, offroadsystems.com.au. Now, Graham there, I was talking to Graham during the week, and he was telling me the story that when he was looking to buy a fridge slide for himself, then uh, he, he went out and he discovered that every single slide that he looked at on the market had flaws, like some rattled, some weren't adjustable, some didn't offer a slide to suit larger fridges, some were just downright horrible. So he said about developing a slide that actually worked. Now, when I say developing, developed, manufactures, made it right here in Australia. It's Australian. So the slides that he found 
had uh, shortcomings. That, that was the problem. So he had to start doing a new slide. And the first thing he had to do was to stop the slide from flexing over rough terrain because most of them flex. And the only way to do that was to use as fewer parts as possible. So the top and the base trays, rather than using a multitude of parts all bolted together, they're punched and then folded as a single piece. So the strap loops are also incorporated into the top tray to eliminate the need for welds because welds can break because you're doing a lot of flex. But these don't have that problem because they're one piece. And he also noticed that a lot of fridges came in insulating bags. Now, my fridge has got an insulating bag. Now, the bags had a tendency to rub on the runners of some slides and eventually tear. Now, you don't want your bag to tear. They're very expensive and they serve a really good purpose of keeping your fridge more insulated. So to stop that, the sides of the tray are built, this is from the off-road systems one, they're built taller to completely cover the runner, which protects the bag. And then a lot of slides over time start to rattle. Oh, if you have a rattly slide, you just go nuts. Oh, so they start to rattle back and forth when they're closed. So as you're driving along, you've got this rattle. And, and that was caused by the locking system coming loose. Now, in many slides, that wasn't adjustable. And the only option was to grin and bear it. So, And the only way you find that out is if you buy another brand of slide that's not an off-road system slide. And then you know, I should have bought the off-road system slide, so I'm saving you all that hassle. Just go and get the off-road systems one. So they countered that problem by using a triple lock system. It means that the slide can be adjusted in the closed position to give a nice tight lock and not rattle. <laughs> and then they found the runners with the Achilles heel of so many slides. And if they used a below-par runner, then the result was a rubbish slide. So he found an excellent quality runner that was stiff and it didn't rattle and it uses rubber bushes to assist the locking. And, and then he, he overextends it by 50 mil to ensure the fridge is clear of the car. Now, the cost, he knew that you couldn't compete with the products coming in from China. But, you know, all China do is produce... They're not necessarily trying to create the best product for you, and that's what Graham does. So, you know, surprisingly, given all the improvements and the extra features compared to the other slides on the market, he makes slides that are really competitive and made here in Australia. So it's designed here, made here. It's all done here. So it's a small price to pay for peace of mind and a quiet ride. So, you know, if you're rolling around on a, on a bumpy track and that's what you're doing, then you don't want your fridge doing backflips and cartwheels all over the place. So what you've got to do, get your pencil out. I'm going to give you phone number 0246476322. Now, here's the good part. They are here in Sydney, but they can ship it to you all over Australia. And the other part is they make the slide so they can make it to fit your fridge. So if you've got a 45-litre fridge, a 50, a 55, a 60, a 65, all the way up to 110 litres, hey, they'll make that fridge slide for you. And I think that's just brilliant. So the website is offroadsystems.com.au, offroadsystems.com.au. Now, if you've got your fridge, then maybe maybe you want to have a little bit of damper to go along with it. If you want some damper, oh, wouldn't damper be lovely? Oh, hot damper. Oh, fabulous. So just get four cups of self-raising flour. You might want your little pencil here. Four cups of self-raising flour, maybe a teaspoon of salt, 
and about two, oh, now maybe one and two thirds cups of water, one and two third cups of water. Then you just sift the flour uh, and, and your salt into a basin, add the water, maybe all at once if you like, and then mix lightly and then turn it onto a lightly floured board and knead gently until smooth. And if the mixture is sticky, then just add more flour and then press into a round shape and, and then pat it down a bit and then place that into your camp oven. Now, you'll, you'll have lined your camp oven, obviously, with foil and maybe a trivet. And then before you put the lid back on, mark it into wedges with a floured knife and then place it onto the hot coals. So, you know, that you're putting your, your, uh, your camp oven on the hot coals. Put your lid on, add some more coals onto your lid. Cook for about 20 minutes, I reckon, about 20 minutes, until the damper sounds hollow when it's tapped. You can pierce it with a knife. And then if it comes out clean, if the knife comes out clean, then it's cooked. And you can serve it with butter, Cocky's Joy, which is golden syrup, or honey. Oh, honey, honey, honey. I think honey is just fabulous. And if you're going to have honey, then we might as well have a little bit of Daddy Cool, don't you reckon? Daddy Cool singing Hi, Honey Ho. Can you imagine a nice hot bit of damper, some butter going into it, some honey on that. Oh, hi, honey ho. Hey, here's Daddy Cool. You enjoy that. And if you want your fridge light, offroadsystems.com.au. I reckon they are just fabulous. Here we go. Hi, honey ho. Daddy Cool. And if you want more of the show, hey, just go on to the website, which is ontheroadmedia.com.au. Or if you want to send me an email, if you know somebody that would like to sponsor the show as well, then go to scott, S-C-O-T-T, at ontheroadmedia.com.au. Send me an email. We'll chat and we'll make something happen, I'm pretty sure. So here we go. Daddy Cool. Hi, honey ho. Hey, this is Scott Gibbon. We are on the road.
Hi, how fabulous, eh? Hi, honey, ho. Now, the greynomads.com.au, they had a terrific thing in there about, because you know nomads, the, the nomads that have the time and the luxury, and they've all earned it, so good on them, but they're able to get out there and help so many of our of our property owners, the people who really need some more help. So uh, there's a beautiful outback property that needs you from early to mid-November to around about mid-December, and this might be just terrific for you. So they're looking for a, a capable, friendly and fit nomad couple with their own rig uh, who'd be able to be part of the world of their very busy working property, helping with their farm stay and the surrounds. Now, they're located about 45 minutes from Griffith. Now, Griffith is just amazing. It's very multicultural. It's very thriving. It's very interesting. It's about an hour from Hay in New South Wales and halfway between Sydney and Adelaide. It's on the edge of the great Aussie outback. Oh, this would just be terrific. So Bruce and Julie are their name, and they're the, the friendly owners of a very busy working station and they've had about a hundred young overseas volunteers and they've had many nomads share the property since about 2010 and as they say it's a wonderful world with wonderful people now in exchange for help and they want you for about three to four hours a day with flexible hours usually the mornings and they'll provide you with a powered site uh, which is situated in a beautiful garden oasis with rainwater Uh, you get some basic stores you get uh, garden produce as well. As you, you get to use the garden too, so you know you can stay up to date with that. There's pool, there's tennis court, there's interaction with them, there's interaction with their farm stay guests, and you get to help all the way around the place with basic repairs and maintenance and helping care for the friendly domestic animals, including two orphan Joey Roos. Ah, oh, I know, but how cute are they? And Nomads are welcome to choose to head out onto the farm with Bruce if they're interested to see what happens out there and you can check the website. So I'm going to give you a website. So again, grab your pencil. So it's Corinna Station. So it's C-O-R-Y, double N for November, I-A, station.com.au. I'll give it to you again, triple W, dot C-O-R-Y, double N for November, I-A-S, T-A-T-I-O-N dot com dot A-U. Or you can just contact them direct. Just go into the info, info at Corinna Station, C-O-R-Y-N-N-I-A-S-T-A-T-I-O-N dot com dot A-U. And hey, you might just find yourself having somewhere to be and wouldn't that be wonderful. Now, one of the things we've got to be aware of because so many more of us are getting out on the road and because the RV sales are just oh, whew, off with a rocket, then we've got to be aware of the road trains. And so Centurion did a terrific thing, and they put out a thing when you're overtaking a road train. So, you know, and that's a nervy thing to do. So step number one, keep your lights on so that you can be clearly seen, especially if it's dusty or overcast conditions. So put your headlights on, not high beam, headlights. Uh, number two, be patient. Passing a road train can take as long as a full minute, maybe more. So 60 seconds, maybe more. Make sure that you've got maximum visibility and that nothing, 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 nothing is coming in the other direction. Position your vehicle so that you can see in the oncoming traffic, obviously, and so the road train driver can see you because they've got mirrors, but that's all they've got, and those things are really long. And if you want to pass, keep your right-hand blinker on to let the trucky know. So the trucky, but you've got to be far back so the trucky can see you with his mirrors. Now, use your UHF, and you've got to have a UHF, and you know the one we get, GME. 
So use your UFF, UHF radio to call through on channel 40, channel 40, and then identify the truck, say how big truck with the big sign on the back for whatever they're doing, and the direction, and ask if it's clear to pass. So identify the truck, say, hey truck, you're going, you're heading towards Broome, whatever it be, and ask if it's clear to pass. Now when it's clear, accelerate at a safe and consistent speed and pass. And be aware of your speed when you've completed your overtaking manoeuvre because road trains, they need plenty of room to stop. So don't overtake and then pull in on him and, and settle back to your own speed. No, those things, they, oh, it's like turning around to Queen Mary. So please, you know, give them plenty of room. And then be aware of everyone around you. And remember, it's always good to acknowledge when people do the right thing with a wave and a smile or a thank you on your UHF, all of those things. Now, if you're being overtaken, by a road train. If you're travelling close together with other caravans, leave at least 100 metres, at least 100 metres, like minimum, like more than that, between you and the caravan in front because truck drivers need room to pull in after their overtaking manoeuvre. And it's a good idea to have your radio call sign on the back of whatever you're towing or on the back of your vehicle so the truck can call you. So you know, if you've got Channel 18, say, and you're a caravan, or and Channel 40 for trucks, so the truck can call you on either of those. And then if you're about to be overtaken by a road train, just maintain a consistent speed. Don't brake, don't slow down, and definitely, definitely do not speed up. And then the road trains can be over 50 metres long. Over 50 metres long. Like, that's... That's a swimming pool. That's an Olympic pool. So let the driver know when he can pull in after the overtaking manoeuvre with the flash of your headlights. Isn't that a good thing to do? You let the driver... Because he's looking in his mirrors. He doesn't want to clip you. So, you know, when he's clear, you know, just give him a little flash of the lights and lets him know that he can pull in because otherwise he's out on the wrong side of the road too. And it's just about everyone doing the right thing on our roads, understanding what to do, being patient, being courteous, and, and then we all arrive safely, don't we? But road trains can be up to about 53 and a half metres long. That's about 10 car lengths, about 10 cars. Now, we don't go and overtake 10 cars in a row, do we? We just don't overtake 10 cars in a row. But that's what a road train is. So if you're going to do it or they're going to overtake you, give every bit of courtesy in the world. I think we love our truckies. We love our truckies. I do. Jeez, I respect them. If you've ever sat up in a truck... If you've ever set up in the in the cabin of a truck and seen what they've got to do to keep that thing, oh, the visibility is horrible. In general terms, oh, it's horrible. You've just got to respect them. They are so good. We have trouble reversing in a caravan and they've got these things that are 53 and a half metres long and they do it. Oh, my golly. I reckon we should do, we should devote a song to the truckies. What do you reckon? Hey, what about Lights on the Hill, Slim Dusty? Lights on the Hill, Slim Dusty. Here we go. You enjoy that. Hey, this is Scott Gibbons. This show is called On the Road. I love being with you. I really love being with you. So you enjoy that. And if you want to find out more, you just go to ontheroadmedia.com.au, ontheroadmedia.com.au, and you'll find out more. And if you want to pass the show on to other people, pass it on because all the podcasts are on there. So you do that. Hey, here comes Slim Dusty. I can't help thinking of a good night's sleep And the long, long roads of my life are a-calling me 
They shrub old hands are a glue to the wheel My eyes full of sand from the way they feel And the lights coming over the hill are a-blinding me It's a long tough haul from a way down south A man's gotta find a little bread for his mouth And a home for a girl as sweet as my honey can be Starting to pull the gauge on the tank is a showing near full, and the lights coming over the hill are a blinding me. There's rain on the road, I can feel the load start a shifting in a dance. Too late, I see the post, and I haven't got a ghost of a chance. Oh no, the windscreen wipers are a beating in time. The song they sing is a part of my mind And I can't believe it's a really happening to me Oh, but I'm over the edge and down the mountainside I know they'll tell about the night I died In the rain when the lights on the hill Slim Dusty, we do love Slim Dusty. His music just lives. His music just lives. Now, Marty uh, Ledwich, in Are We Are We There Yet, wrote a terrific thing about water. Now, water. I mean, look, uh, yes, we're coming into summer, and yes, there's so many more of us getting out on the road, and we're going to be doing some free camping, and we're going to be doing all of this. But one of the things we really need is water. So you've got to think about the requirements to enable you to, if you're going to free camp to enable you to free camp for extended periods of time. And the usual considerations turn to battery capacity and solar power, but given the connected nature of our lives these days, it's a valid consideration. But you really need to think about your water because water is the fundamental necessity for your travels because without it, your free camping experience can come to a rapid halt. And so what you've got to look at is what you need. So people need to consume a certain amount of water per day in order to avoid dehydration as well as a host of other problems. And the amount of water increases when the weather is hotter or if you're not 100% healthy. So while opinions of what the amount of water should be, then a healthy adult should be consuming somewhere around about two to three litres of water every day. Now, in an extreme environment, 
let's say it's 35 degrees Celsius and days on end, your body can, can even, if you're working hard outside, you can even sweat about two and a half hours of sweat, you know, two and a half litres of sweat. <laughs> so in extreme cases, you need to replace those lost fluids very very quickly and you can suffer the effects of dehydration if you don't so in some cases you can have mood swings or low concentration or high fever or headaches and uh, yeah that's that's not good and it can also result in a loss of consciousness or seizures or heat stroke none of that is good for us so you've got to you've got to consider your water now you, you need your water for your personal hygiene to prepare your food because uh, clean food, clean utensils, all those things, so important. And then you need some water for your toilet if you've got a toilet with you. So using your RV shower when you're free camping, well, that just diminishes your water supplies pretty rapidly because a typical shower head in, in many RVs it uses around about nine litres per minute. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're having, say, a four-minute shower and there's two of you, so that's eight minutes, then that's about 72 litres of water a day literally, down the drain. So if your caravan has two 95-litre water tanks, then you'll get two days of showers uh, for two of you uh, out of one tank, and, and maybe only one of you get your shower on the third tank, and then you're out. You, you've missed out. So you've got to then factor in your drinking water for two people in the hot weather, a few flushes of the toilet, cooking your meals, washing up. So you'd be lucky to get through the end of a weekend probably without being pretty close to running out of water. So it's no wonder that a lot of people then try and find ways to get more water. And, and one of the things they do then is to uh, maybe try and attach more water tanks. So uh, <laughs> this is pretty funny. Marty had heard of, of one couple that had attached five 95-litre water tanks. That's, that's a lot of weight. That's about, see, a, a litre of water <laughs> carries about, it's about the same as a kilogram of weight. So that's about 475 kilograms that they're carrying around of water when they're towing. So for the vast majority of time, there's maybe no need to fill your water tanks. It's just dead weight, but you've got to know where you are going to fill up. So if you're living in your van full-time, you've got to really work out how to make your water work with you. So yeah, it's making sense, isn't it? So you've got to carry a suitable water pump. So maybe you're free camping and there's a creek nearby or whatever, so you might need an extra pump and, uh, to pump water from that water source into your tanks. But then you need extra filters to make sure that the water that's coming in is filtered and you might use that water then for showering or toileting or whatever, maybe not necessary for washing up unless... You can purify it. <clears throat> Pardon me, purifying, that's really important. So uh, some people, some people, they allow that you, they carry an extra 12-volt pump that's identical to the water pumps in their caravan. So in addition to being able to pump water using battery power alone, it serves as a spare in case one of their caravan pumps fail. That's clever. Now, he also carries three food-grade water hoses, So and, and that's sufficient to... He's got the connections to make it a really, really long hose because, as he says, even in some caravan parks, it's amazing how far the hose often has to stretch to get to the water source. And then you've got to keep your water containers clean. So keeping your tanks clean is paramount. It's, you've got to make sure that your drinking water is good. So ensuring your RV manufacturer 
has used food-grade water tanks. That's a good place to start. Good place to start. Using food-grade hoses to fill up your tanks. You don't use your garden hose. Don't sort of think, oh, you know, we're going camping. I'll, I'll need some water. I'll take the garden hose. It's a different plastic. So you've got to have a food-grade garden hose, and you'll get those from any of your camping stores. So the food grade, they're normally white, and often they'll have a little blue line. So they're not the green ones, not the green like your garden hose, but the orange lines, these are white with a blue line, blue checker. So then, uh, if you find that your water tastes awful, there's a number of remedies you can do. Uh, you can flush them maybe with a bottle of cordial. So if your tanks, if you put a bottle of cordial in your tanks and then flush that through, often that'll take out that nasty, uh, unpleasant taste that was in your tanks. In more extreme cases, you can flush with vinegar. That works well. And, of course, there are some chemicals that RV outlets or accessory outlets will sell you, so that's a good thing to know. And then make sure that you flush those tanks completely before refilling them. So that's good. So if you've had a nasty in there, totally, totally clean them out. That's important. Regular maintenance of your RV's water system, well, that's the best thing to maintain your water quality and never just let the water send in your tanks for extended periods of time. So run the water through the taps regularly to ensure there's no stagnant water, nothing stagnant is just sitting in your plumbing. And change your water filter at least as often as, as recommended by the manufacturer. The one that, that we suggest is Best, B-E-S-T, Best Water Filters. They're Australian. They're, you've heard us talk about them here on the show. If you're a regular listener, if you're not, you've got to become one. <laughs> We'd love to have you. So finally, don't rely completely on your RV's water tanks, because if they get damaged, you may lose your entire water supply. So it's a clever idea to have at least one 20-litre jerry can full of drinking water uh, in your reek, just in case you need that water for an emergency. Clever thinking, clever thinking. Well done, Marty, that was good work. Now, all that water talk is making me thirsty. If you're going to be thirsty, you're going to need a drink. If you're going to have a drink, who do you have a drink with? Who do you have a drink with? You've got to have a drink with Duncan. I think we're going to have to do that again. Here's Slim again. <laughs> I know you love Slim, but here's Slim Dusty. You've got to have a drink with Duncan. You'll enjoy that. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. This show is on the road. Great being with you. Here's Slim Dusty. I love to have a beer with Duncan I love to have a beer with Duncan We drink in moderation And we never, ever, ever get rolling drunk We drink at the town and country Where the atmosphere is great I love to have a beer with Duncan Cos Duncan's me mate, yeah I love to have a beer with Colin I love to have a beer with Colin We drink in moderation and it doesn't really matter if he brings his doll We drink at the town and country Where the atmosphere is great I love to have a beer with Colin Cos Colin's me mate mm. I love to have a beer with Kevin Oh, I love to have a beer with Kev We drink in moderation And he drives me home in his big old ship We drink at the town and country where the atmosphere is great I love to have a beer with Kevin Cause Kevin's me mate I love to have a beer with Patrick I love to have a beer with Pat We drink in moderation And it wouldn't really matter if the beer was flat We drink at the town and country Where the atmosphere is great I love to have a beer with Patrick Cause Patrick's me mate <laughs> 
change key I love to have a beer with Robert I love to have a beer with Bob We drink in moderation Just one more and back on the job We drink at the town and country Where the atmosphere is great I love to have a beer with Robert Cause Robert's me mate I love to have a beer with Duncan Oh, I love to have a beer with Duncan We drink in moderation And we never, ever, ever get rolling drunk We drink at the town and country Where the atmosphere is great I love to have a beer with Duncan Cause Duncan's me mate I love to have a beer with Duncan Cause Duncan's me mate I Slim Dusty, oh we do love him and that Duncan song, <laughs> I bet you got to be singing that all day long and I bet you add other names into it as well <laughs> I bet you do. Hey, this show is called On the Road. My name is Scott Gibbons. If you want to give us a call, you can. If you know somebody that'd like to sponsor the show, that's even better. So 1-300-535-711. 1-300-535-711. We love playing Aussie music for you. That's the only music we play. That's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. So in the meantime, what you've got to do is get out there and have a great time. See this beautiful country of ours. Look after yourselves. And we'll be with you next week. And if you know somebody that would like to listen to the show, you make sure you share it with them. And they can just go on theroadmedia.com.au and then go on to podcasts. And there's about 58 or 59 shows on there. So in the meantime, look after you. This is Scott Gibbons. We'll see you next week. Bye.